0: and girls how exciting my lovely lovely listeners i'm back we're live guys we're actually live like hello it's a very strange experience doing this live as opposed to huddled in my corner with the lights off (laughs) in front of a microphone all right boys and girls here we go so we got a whole really long schedule, y'all. So for y'all that aren't aware, um, this is my podcast called Almost Will Versed. Um, it's mainly a book podcast, but I talk about a lot of stuff. I've di- I did like a Red Dead episode. Uh, I was kind of thinking about doing like a music related episode, honestly. But anyway, um, but today we're starting a brand new series, guys, about my favorite with one of my favorite authors, favorite book series called Stormlight Archives, and I'm really psyched about it. Um, So Stormlight Archives is supposed to be a 10-book series. Um, There's three books out now. Book number four comes out in November, and I'm really hype about it. Um, But I figured now would be a good time to, like, introduce people to the series Um, if you've already read the series, uh, because it's about to be August. So, I mean, now is, like, a good time to hit back... Uh, like start back start back at book number one, and like get refamiliar with everything for the the new book coming out. Um, so I thought this would be a really fun read along type series to do. Um, so as you can see, I've broken it up into twelve chunks because this is like a twelve hundred page book. Uh, it's a it would be a lot to try to do on like one episode, you know. Um, so I'm just going to kind of break it up and so that way it can be a little bit more digestible and this way we can kind of chat about everything that's going on. Um, if y'all have questions about anything, um, we can theory craft when we get to the end. So yeah, that's my plan. So today is just kind of like a preliminary episode, uh, making sure that, you know, all of my stuff is working right, that I (laughs) know how to work. Streamlabs correctly, and um, to show you guys images for everything. Um, And so the next week, we'll actually, for real, start the book um, with the prologue. So today is just kind of more of, like, we'll go over the schedule. Um, I will give you a brief history of Roshar, which is the continent that the story takes place on, and then, uh, like I said, it's a big-ass series, so, like, there's a prelude. There's, like, a super prelude that's, like... 3,000 years before the story starts, then there's a prologue that's f- three or four years before the story starts, and then it's actually chapter one. So today we'll go through history, um, you know, do some world building, set the world up for you guys, and then we'll kind of talk about the prelude a little bit, and then next week when we come back, we'll actually jump into the prologue, um, and yeah, go from there. I'm really excited. So yeah like I was saying today is technically an episode zero so the next week we'll do the prologue chapters one through five um so I try to break it up to do about a hundred roughly a hundred pages a week um for a book this long I thought that would be manageable and the thing with Sanderson books is once they really get going like he's the kind of guy he writes um he does a lot of world building and a lot of like character development and stuff but like once everything is set up and like all those pieces are in place like it's so hard <laughs> to stop reading. So once we get to like part 3, that's when shit really takes off um and the chunks are a little bit bigger but there's more stuff happening so that's why the chunks are a little bit bigger. Um but so the book is split into five parts. That fifth part is like really short. It's only like 40 ish pages so that's why i kind of put parts four and five together um but i tried to i try to keep the like i said the pages to be similar like between each part so yeah let's just um let's just get into way of kings man so for anyone unfamiliar here is the beautiful cover art by written by our lord and savior brandon sanderson He is a monster. Like, he is so good. Um, Way of Kings was first written in 2010, I want to say. And he has a pretty good track record. He drops a new book in this series. um, I want to say every two and a half to three years. So, Oathbringer, um, which is the third book, that one came out, what, two years ago, I think? And then um, the new book coming out in November, that's called Rhythm of War. That guy comes out, like I said, in November. Um, but here's the, here's the thing, man, he is a madman, like, he's a fucking crazy person, right? So, like, he has this series, which is gonna be a 10-book series, but then he has so many other stories. So, like, he first got big, he first got famous from a series called The Wheel of Time, written by, like, another highly renowned, highly loved, uh, fantasy writer, Um, But sadly, that writer died before he finished the series. And so what he did was like, you know, I don't know if he was sick or what, but before he passed away, he like got up with Brandon Sanderson and pretty much gave him like the book Bible, um, which is pretty much like the super in-depth blueprint. For the rest of the book, and pretty much handed the reins over to Brandon Sanderson to finish the series for him. And mind you, he was like ten or eleven books deep in the series by the time um, he got sick before he passed away. And Brandon Sanderson was able to come in, finish the series, and arguably a lot of people uh, not only respected him for like staying true to the story, but actually really liked his writing style. So with that Wheel of Time series, that's kind of what put him on the map, and so he's written, um, a couple standalone books, like, he has Elantris, he has a book called Warbreaker, um, which are standalone series, but then he's also done Mistborn, um, which Gio, you probably are familiar with, um, Mistborn is going to be a trilogy of trilogies, he has the first two trilogies are done, and I want to say, like, if you go on, uh, the tour website, the publisher website, he gives updates pretty often about, um, like what order he's writing stuff in. And so I want to say that Mistborn is the next book that he'll be working on after Rhythm of War comes out. But yeah, so he has Elantris, he's got Warbreaker, the Stormlight series. He also has like a young adult um, fantasy series. What's the name? I can't remember the name of that series. Um, but a lot of people like that. And that's unrelated to the to these stories. Um, and then, yeah, he started Stormlight, which is like his magnum opus. Um it's a 10 book series, all the books are at least 1,200 pages, like, it's serious, it's a lot, um, so, yeah, let's just get, let's just get into the world of Stormlight, right, so, um, Stormlight Archives, it is set on a continent called Roshar, and i'll make this full screen so you guys can see it and so in roshar it's kind of split into like five nations um and the main religion in these nations is uh called the voran religion right so um the story mainly takes place in the nation of alethkar which you can see is like to the right um you've also got Jacob you've got Shinivar, the Eerie, and azir um and so the funny thing about Roshar is most nations are like really set on gender roles. Like gender roles play a really big part in this series. And so, for example, um, you have like masculine arts and you have feminine arts, right? So like your masculine arts are stuff like fighting, sword play, dueling, um, like tactics, like, you know, being like a general in the, in the military or whatever. Um, and what's interesting is men aren't taught to read men uh the way that they communicate like uh with written language is through glyphs so it's funny because uh a lot of times like for example in the military right so uh since men can't read a lot of times they'll have their wife be like their right-hand man will be like um be their scribe so a lot of times like high up in the military you have like these Like literal power couples of you have the smart ass military um, tactician, but then you have his wife who takes the notes and maybe can um, figure out stuff that he might not see because he's only writing in glyphs, whereas she can like write notes and send letters, you know? So kind of going along with that, you have your feminine arts, which are, you know, like art, like actual like painting or drawing, um, reading writing in the, the women's script um and one funny thing is for whatever reason in their foreign religion um you have what's called your you have your regular hand your right hand and then they have a, a safe hand which is your left hand and so for whatever reason um in the foreign religion, you keep your safe hand covered, so as you can see here, a lot of times in fashion, their dresses will have, like, that left sleeve will either be really long, and it'll it'll button close, or if you are, like, not as affluent, um, you'll, like, wear a glove on that hand, but it's, it's almost like, like, how we see, you know, like, if we see, like, someone in booty shorts or someone in, like, a super low-cut top, we'll be like, oh, that's, like, scandalous. And so, like, in their culture, it's like, if your fingertips are peeking out or if you see somebody doing something with their left hand, they'll be like, oh, that's, like, so scandalous. Because uh, for whatever reason, that's just part of the religion is keeping that that safe hand covered. Um, and... Yeah, and so another really cool thing about Stormlight is the art. So, like, this art that I have on the screen right now is, like, in the book. Um, and a lot of times the illustrators or the artists that make uh, make these pictures and stuff, they'll put them on tour so you can, like, really see them in depth and they'll colorize them so you can see. Um, and so there's, like, a whole, like I was saying, like, this it's a whole world that they've built um, for this series, right? So we've got... Um, gender roles, we've all, another really, really interesting thing about Roshar to know is, um, the continent is subject to, like, a really strange weather pattern, right? So, they have these super storms, uh, they're called high storms, that occur randomly, like, so there's no way to, like, accurately, uh, predict, like, when a high storm is gonna come, but pretty much a high storm is, like, a giant super storm, hurricane, tornado, whatever that literally starts on one end of the continent and goes all the way to the other side of the continent and it just you know it's just a wall of water and de- debris and lightning and all this shit is crazy and the high storms they they have they they happen pretty often um but the only thing that you can predict about high storms is every 500 days there's like a month-long break Um and that's called the weeping. So during the weeping, uh, yeah, so the weeping is four, four straight weeks of just, like, a steady, not-too-heavy rain. Um, and the weeping is, like, the only time of the year when there are no high storms, so, like, when the weeping is happening for those four weeks, there are no high storms, um, but also, it's, like, really, really pure, clean water that happens during the weeping, so that's a lot, that's when a lot of people will try to, like, you know, get their buckets and barrels full of water, um, they don't have to worry about, like, cleaning it or whatever, you know, um, it's funny, though, because kind of how I was talking about, like, gender roles being very set, um, because the a lot of these nations are so religious, they're also, like, not superstitious, because superstitious is kind of, like, the opposite of religion, but, like, they're just super steadfast in being religious, so trying to, like, predict the weather is kind of frowned upon, but it's funny because you have these guys, like, they're not, like, a, like a formal sect or anything, but you have these guys uh, called storm wardens, and they pretty much are just using, like, super math, <laughs> like, super complicated um, formulas and trying to, in statistics, to try to predict when high storms come, but it's funny because a lot of people frown upon storm wardens because they feel like it's getting kind of close to, like, predicting the future, which goes against their religion, (laughs) but it's like, but they're just using math, guys, (laughs) like, it's fine. Um... But yeah. Oh, and then another interesting thing about weather. So you've got the high storms, uh, which just wreak havoc on the nation. You got the weeping, which is just like steady ass rain for those four weeks. Um, But then the other funny thing about Roshar is that seasons, the seasons change randomly after the high storm happens. So like, you know... In real life, you got spring, summer, fall, winter. For them on Rochar, it could be, like, summer, and then a high storm happens, and then after the high storm is over, it could just go straight to winter, and then to spring, and then back to winter, to summer, to fall, you know what I mean? So, like, there's no way to know, like, what your weather is gonna be beforehand, until after the high storm has happened. So that's another interesting thing that happens. Um... But because of the existence of these high storms, um, the, the ecology on the planet has evolved over time to be able to withstand these crazy high storms. Um, and so it's interesting because, like, number one, they don't have, um, like, get out of your head, like, the idea of, like, an Earth-type planet. It's more like the ground is really barren, and uh, most animals and plants, they're covered in, like, a shell almost um think like how bugs are kind of covered in a shell uh but bigger so like most animals and even plants are kind of um covered by this shell and so like when predators come near or like when a high storm happens they are able to like retract into their shell to for protection you know um what's up <laughs> and so yeah like for example like grass right so grass kind of grows out of like almost like a bulb type thing and so like if it feels if the grass feels vibrations of like a person walking or like an animal coming it'll literally just pull back into whatever it lives in to not get stomped on um which is interesting like it's just it's very strange um so yeah, so we've got high storms, we've got these crazy gender rules, and then another big aspect of Roshar, uh, maybe even bigger than these high storms, is the existence of something called Sprint. And so Sprint, uh, and sadly, I couldn't find like a good picture to put on screen for Sprint, but um, Sprint are... Okay, here's the <laughs> here's the definition. They are... The, They're defined as cognitive aspects of objects. And I'm sure you're thinking, what? So, like, in other words, so, like, how they look, like, their appearance is solely based on how things around them perceive them to be, and that influences how they look and how they act. So, like, almost everything that you can think of would have, like, a sprint equivalent, right? So, like, you've got anger sprint. Like, if someone gets mad, you see, like, little little shit floating around saying that they're angry you've got fear sprint there's creation sprint like if you're really if you're being really creative if like you know uh if you're like super inspired it'll be like little shits will appear around your head um there's wind sprint like if you see wind blowing there'll be like little fluttery things in the wind like floating around and uh there's life sprint like say you're in the forest and you know there's just a lot of life around you there'll be like little green moats floating around um and the thing that's interesting about sprint is they've always been there like people in general don't know where they came from or really what they do other than they're just kind of like a physical manifestation of what you think a thing is. You see what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And so um as the story goes on, you'll see that sprint are really integral to the story um, but they've always been on rochar um they're just they're just a part of life um and like like I was saying, pretty much anything you can think of would have like a sprint equivalent to it so you know you're having a bad day you stub your toe you get mad there's going to be some anger sprint that pop up um say you're scared of dogs and a dog comes running at you there's going to be fear sprint crawling out of the ground um yeah and they're just it's just a part of life it's just a part of life on roshar um which is interesting but yeah let's um let's keep it moving, right? So, oh yeah, I forgot I added this picture in there. It's just kind of a picture of, um, of, to to depict what a high storm is. This is actually the cover art. Like, if you, um, if you flip the cover out for Way of Kings, like, it's, like, the front and the back cover of it, but you can kind of see it's just, like, it literally has, like, a storm wall that moves from east to west across the nation, um, and it just brings rain and lightning and, it's just really bad like you have you have to seek uh seek shelter um like you cannot be outside during a high storm it would be bad news for everyone, but yeah, let's move on to. Alethkar. So, like, I named the five nations for you. So, our story mainly takes place in the nation of Alethkar, right? And so, you can kind of see you've got like the unclaimed hills to the east, um, which is just really like rocky, mountainous, nothing. Uh, there's like no nation there. Like, people don't really live there. Um, you know, like wildlife don't really live there, that's why it's literally called the unclaimed hills, down here in the corner, you have the shattered plains, um, which as we dive into the story, that's where a lot of our story is going to take place, is in this place called the shattered plains, um, but you see how the nation is kind of split into, I think it's 10 or 11, um, almost districts, and so, um, um, the way it works, right, is you have Alethkar. Oh, it is 10. And so it's ruled, like, each district or subnation or whatever you want to call it is ruled by their own high prince. And these 10 high princes, all swear they all swore fealty to um, a king. And the thing that's interesting about Alethkar is this, this system of monarchy has only been in place for about 30 years. So it's not super stable, um, but... I mean, it's been working for these thirty years, and so each nation or each high prince, um, they control their own territory. They each have their own military force that they're able to um, dictate and you know set whatever kind of rules they want, and they pretty much act independently of the king. But it's one of those things where even though they are kind of like their own independent nation, at the end of the day, they still have to answer to the king. You know what I mean? So like say the king wants to like wage war. like this would never happen, but say the king wants to wage war on like Jochovid. He would be able to, you know, enlist his high princes to then enlist their militaries to help him in this war, right? Um but it's funny because even though there is this monarchy, like there is a king, um, each of these nations is still really independent. So like, yeah, they swear fealty to the king, but like, they're just kind of try to do their own thing, you know, so you can see where that can cause some strife. But um, a little fun fact, out of all those five nations on Roshar, Alethkar has the strongest army. But it's funny because even though it is the strongest army, it's technically like 10 sub armies that each kind of have a coalition with each other to then form one large army it's a lot but yeah so yeah we've got alethkar um the thing with alethkar is people from there are called alethi so you'll hear that a lot um most of the people in the story that we follow they're alethi um and they're mainly known they're tall um they're tanned they have, like, tan skin, they almost look, like, from the way they're described, they're almost, it's almost like they're, um, like, Pacific Islander, almost, like, not quite Asian, not quite Hispanic, but they are, they're not dark, dark, like, they're not, like, black people, um, but they definitely have some melanin, you know, because you have people, like, for example, you have people from Jacovede, which have, uh, a lot of mountains, they're really fair-skinned with, like, you know, freckles and red hair, whereas, Alethcar is, like, closer to the desert, so they have more melanin. Um, but here's the thing about Aleth-Kar. Um, they're, it's just, They have a very distinct caste system. When I was doing research for this story, um, I didn't even put two and two together. That it's essentially a caste system that they go by, right? So you have your two casts are, you have light eyes and you have dark eyes, right? So your light eyes, that's the upper caste, um, and they have notably light eyes colored eyes so blue green purple yellow um and generally light eyes have way more privileges and rights and access than dark eyes do and um kind of like how in a, in a real caste system it would be um the color of your eyes is really genetic so like for example you could have a light eyes and a dark eyes have a baby and there's a chance that the baby will have light eyes and there's a chance that they'll have dark eyes, um, but yeah. So you've got your light eyes. That's the upper. That's the upper half of the cast, and then you have your dark eyes, which are the which is what it sounds like. Like they have darker eyes. You know, like your browns, your blacks, um, stuff like that. And your dark eyes are generally the working class. So in this cast system, each half, the light eyes and the dark eyes, it's split into ten. And your status can improve based on, uh, pretty much only two things, either marriage or success in the military, right? So, like, you could be, like, a middle-of-the-road Dark Eyes, you enroll in the military, you, like, do really well, you get promoted, yada yada. You could, in theory, make it to, like, the top of the of the Dark Eyes and even move up into, like, the bottom of the Light Eyes cast, um... Which has happened. Um, even It is tough. I mean, as I imagine in any caste system, it would be tough to move up like that. But it is possible. So, like, even though you are born into the caste system based on your eye color, um, there is, like, there is some, some room for improvement there. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, or on the flip side, you know, say you're a light eyes and you do something really despicable, like, you know... It would have to be. It would have to be more than just like a murder. But say you do something like really fucked up, you could get demoted down to like the bottom of the light eyes. Actually, I don't know if a light eyes could be a, could be put down into dark eyes. I don't know that, but you could get knocked down to the bottom of the light eyes cast system for sure. Um, and so just how they're really strict on their gender roles. they're I would even argue even more strict on like, this cast system, like, light eyes versus dark eyes, like, you have, like, your light eyes only clubs, you've got your light eyes only buildings, you've got your dark eyes only buildings, you know, um, so it is kind of static in that, in that way, and you'll see in the story, like, as we actually, uh, dive into the story, we have characters that are on both sides of this cast or whatever, um, and you know we get to see like how they interact how they feel about this caste system um about their their uh room for improvement you know it is interesting um but yeah so i was really only going to talk about alethkar like even though there are those other four nations um like, for example, like, the Erie is really small. I don't even know if we really meet anybody from the Erie. Um, you've got Shinavar, which is also really small, but it's, like, on the other side of the nation. So, like, you don't really see people from Shinofar, from Shinnivar in Alethkar. Just, like, how you probably wouldn't really see people from Alethkar in Um, The closest neighbor is Ja'Kaved, and you can see that along, like, the, the left border there. And, um, kind of like how I touched on before, ed also has like a king and they have high princes um and we'll actually meet a character that's from there, so we'll really get to see like that social dynamic of of how things are in ja as compared to Alethkar um but for the time being, we'll just keep it brief, and we'll just talk about Alethkar, and that's it um but Okay, that's enough history, guys. You, I'm sure everyone's like, okay, enough history. Let's get into the story. Oh, where's this is? I didn't sign up for history class. I'm here for action class. <laughs> so, a big—I know I'm saying each of these things is big. Sprinter big, gender roles is big, religion's big. Uh, another big thing, possibly even bigger, is an event—or rather, events—called the Desolation. Oh. And so I actually found this really cool artwork this morning while I was going over my notes. But so the desolations, right? I'll blow this up so you can really see it. So the desolations are, think of it as this, right? It's like a cataclysmic event. It's a worldwide cataclysmic event that happens every so often. Nobody knows when they started, um, and there hasn't been, like, at the time when our story starts, there hasn't been a desolation in a long time, right, but these desolations, uh, they encompass the whole nation, or the whole world, not even, it's bigger than the nation, they encompass the whole world, and pretty much after each desolation, it leaves humanity in ruins, like, I'm talking 90% of the population is dead, uh, You know, like, science and discovery gets knocked back pretty much to zero. Um, Like, recorded history gets destroyed. Monuments get destroyed. Like, there's, like, nothing left afterwards, right? And so pretty much what the desolations are, yeah, they're this cataclysmic event. But it's pretty much a war between these two groups of people, right? And these two groups of people, we've got the Heralds and uh, the bad guys called the Voidbringers, right? And so a little history about the heralds, uh, the heralds are pretty much, they're 10 servants. There's 10 of them and they're all servants of the almighty. And in this world, almighty is God. So, you know, they're, they're 10, not saints, but they're 10 guys that are like, they're there for the almighty, right? Like they're there to like do what the almighty needs to do. Right. And so what happened is the heralds, they formed a pact, uh, actually called the oath pact with the almighty and so the almighty granted like from this from this agreement the almighty granted them these supernatural super powerful uh powers to be able to fight off the void bringers and to suppress their inevitable returning so like you can kind of think that the des- the desolations are really cyclical right so like you've got the heralds they come to power they have these powers uh the void bringers come to power they have this giant ass clash and pretty much no matter what even if the even if the heralds are there the world still ends up getting destroyed and so what happens is the heralds they have to pretty much fight off the void bringers um as long as they can to give humanity a chance to like get back to where they were you know and so this just happens every so often um i I really i tried to find like years but I couldn't really find like how many years between desolations but they happen not super often but often enough to where we'll find out uh, as we go through the story we'll find that um as like historians are going back their history there's literally like big old chunks of history that people don't like there is no written history and there are no like artifacts from because like the desolation was just so massive and so destructive right and so yeah, so that's the Heralds. And then on the other side, you know, they're fighting the Voidbringers. And the thing is, we don't really know what the Voidbringers are. We just know that they they bring the Void, right? Like, they just bring destruction. Uh, and their main goal is to wipe out mankind. Like, they're just like, humans, get out of here. We're done with you, right? And so the Heralds are pretty much charged uh, or, or given this this grand duty of protecting the planet and fighting the Voidbringers, bringers, Right. And so the way, how I was saying it's cyclical, the thing that's interesting, right, is when a herald dies, um, dies, fighting the Voidbringers, what happens is, uh, they're, like, sent to wherever, purgatory, whatever you want to call it, and they're essentially tortured there until one of them breaks, right? Until one of them can't take this torture anymore. And then what happens is all 10 of the Heralds get resurrected. They get put back on Roshar. And then they pretty much have to start at square one. You know, help mankind. Try to stave off the Voidbringers until the inevitable desolation happens. And then rinse and repeat. And so that kind of leads us right into the prelude. I I know I said we weren't super going to get into the book today. But there's prelude, there's prologue, and then there's chapter one. So we're going to do the, the super, the super prelude, right? So I think it's not my last image. It is. I'll just keep this one up here for now. But so the prelude, it's 3000, it takes place 3000 years before the story starts, right? And we start on a battlefield. And we don't, you know, the thing with fantasy books is they just kind of drop you in, right? <laughs> like, there's no setup. There's no <laughs> there's no history lesson like I just gave you. You just get dropped in, right? So we start on a battlefield after some horrific battle. Um, it's It was really bad. Like, there's destruction. There's so many dead bodies, like human and non-human bodies. Um, and we're pretty much following some dude named Kallik. And this Kallik, he and it's it's from his point of view right so he's um he's surveying the battlefield he's looking around he's seeing all these dead bodies all these dead just death everywhere um he sees some giant some giant rock creature Uh, name, a it's called a Thunderclast that's dead in front of him, and it's funny because he's sitting there, like, he's looking at this giant-ass rock monster thinking about how it's funny to him that after all this time, he's still kind of scared by them, and so, like, you as the reader, you're thinking, like, oh, so this is, like, an extended type battle, right, but kind of like how I was explaining before, um, you can tell that this guy was a herald, right, so, like, he's thinking, after how much time after they don't even know how long it's been like that's how how severe and how how taxing each of these desolations are is he doesn't even know like how long they've been fighting these void bringers right but he just thinks it's funny that they still scare him even though he's like already been killed by one before and so that's when you as the reader are like oh okay so like this guy got resurrected all right so Kalik, he you know he bypasses the Thunderclast and he's heading to a meeting place that him and um nine other people like already they predetermined that they were going to meet here like after the battle right and so he finally arrives at the meeting place and he notes that only one person is there waiting for him And so automatically he's thinking like, oh, the other eight like must have died during the battle because the battle was like even it's always bad, but it was like even worse this time. And so when he gets closer, he sees, um, like I said, there was only one dude there waiting for him, but then he sees seven swords are driven into the ground, like near the near the guy that he's uh, that's waiting for him. Right. And so he like rolls up and he asks the dude like what's going on and you learn that the dude waiting for him is a guy called Jesrian. and Jezrean um he's described as being really kingly like you know he's got like a close shaven beard uh even this the way he stands is really regal so you can tell that like before he was a soldier or a fighter or whatever like he was probably a king right um, but the thing is, Jezrean tells him that the other seven people have departed. Like, that's literally what he says. They've departed. And Calic is like, departed? What do you mean departed? <laughs> um, and Jezrean tells him that out of the ten of them, only one of them died this time, which has never happened. It's always more than one. And, um, you learn that the only guy that died this time was a guy named Talanel, And... Kalik is, he's, you know, he's processing this information like, wow, like out of this crazy ass desolation, only one of us died. This never happens. We always get bopped. And this is the only time that, like, someone survived, right? And, um, but then he's thinking, like, after the desolation is over or whatever, you know, they're supposed to get sent to, to purgatory or whatever to fight off these void bringers to, to stave off the desolation, right? But he's, he's literally. Thinking like I can't I can't do it again like it's been so long like my sanity is hanging on by a thread like I've just been tortured and burned and everything for so long like I just literally like I can't do it right and he admits this to Jezrean and like you're thinking like as the heralds who have sworn this this robust and and you know life-changing oath pact with god to to say he doesn't want to do it anymore like what but like when he says this to Jesrian, um jezrean like kind of agrees with him and calic is really surprised so Jesrian tells him that the other have de- the others have departed because they they came to a decision like while calic was over there doing whatever the the nine or the I guess it would be eight of them came to a decision that they willingly went into this oath pact. So therefore they should willingly be able to leave it. And Calic is just like, what? <laughs> like what? But I mean, from their point of view, it's like, I mean, that that's logic. Sure. But like, how are you going to make a promise with God? And then be like, nah, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, Uh, Jezrean and the others came to the conclusion that, um, you know, if they walk away, if the eight of them walk or nine of them walk away, it would be better for only one of them to have to endure the torture and trying to stave off the Voidbringers as opposed to all 10 of them. You know, this is just like, this is crazy man logic, right? Like, he's so beaten down. They're so distraught they're so broken like they're just fundamentally broken that they would rather give up the one homeboy than all 10 of them have to be tortured ever again right and as Jesrian is telling this to Kalik, he's just like maybe he's right you know what i mean like maybe it is better for only one of us to have to endure the hell that we get put through every desolation as opposed to to all 10 of us, right, and so, but Kallak is thinking, he's like, but the people, like, what are we going to tell the people, like, the people over Oshar have come to rely on the Heralds, and have come to expect them to be there to protect them, and to fight the Voidbringers, and to help them rebuild, like, what are we going to, what are we gonna tell the world? But jezrean's just like, we'll just tell them we won. Like, there's no way for them to know otherwise. Like, if uh, if another desolation doesn't happen, then I mean, technically we won. You know, like, wasn't that our end goal for, for the desolations to not, to not happen again, right? And so, Jesrine was pretty much just like, so here's what's gonna happen, man. Like, we all are gonna give up our swords and you don't you as the reader you don't really know the significant of the significance of the sword yet but he's pretty much like we're gonna all leave our swords here and we're all gonna go our separate ways we're not gonna look out for each other we're not gonna seek each other out we're not gonna hang out together like we're just pretty much gonna go into the world and like assimilate just like be regular people like as much of a regular person as like a warrior a literal warrior of god could be but you know we're gonna try to be regular people and we're just gonna have to hope that homeboy Talanel is strong enough to to withstand the torture and like you know keep the void bringers away and um and the thing is like when this when this conversation happens Like, I was saying earlier, you can tell that, like, even with Jezrein being this kingly, stately, proper person, like, when he's, like, as he's saying this to Calic, you can tell, like, he's kind of trying to convince himself about the story, like, about what they're doing, you know what I mean? But it's just, like, they're they're at their wit's end, you know? They're just, like, it's either this or that's it, like, you know? And so Jezrean, he he says all this to Kallik and then he's just like, well, there you go. And he he summons his sword. Yeah, I said it. He summoned his sword, and the sword just kind of coalesces out of mist, right? And so Jezrean summons his sword, and then he, he rams it into the to the ground next to the other seven swords, and then it's pretty much just like, see you later, and turns around and walks away and leaves Kallik there for a minute to contemplate everything that they talked about and... And about what they're gonna do. But I mean, at this point, like, there's no turning back, right? Like, Talonel's already dead. He's already in purgatory. There's no getting him back. So, like, what does Calic do? He summons a sword. And he stabs it into the dirt, or into the rock next to the other swords. And turns around and walks away opposite of Jezrean. And, um, that's how the, the prelude ends. So, like, this scene, you can pretty much take this scene as, like, the last desolation. And so as we get into the actual story, um there hasn't been another desolation since this one. And so like this was set like I said like 3000 years before the story starts. So like for the first time in pretty much history of Roshar, there's been 3000 years without a desolation, right? So like it kind of sets the story up, so you can be like, "So let's see, like, you know, how far did society get? how How much were they able to progress um, without a desolation just obliterating everything that usually happens?" You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's uh, that's the prelude for Way of Kings, just to you know get your feet a little wet, get you know get the story burrow in your head a little bit so you can be thinking about it for next week um but yeah like i said next week we'll actually start um the prologue and chapters one through five like in earnest start the story um i just kind of wanted to use this as like some time to kind of set the stage because it is a lot i mean it is kind of a lot to try and get through you know like 1200 pages but I felt like doing it like this just a little just a little just a little sprinkle of some mystery some there's a little bit of magic going on you know just to give you a taste of what's to come and then next week we'll actually get to start the prologue and dive into the story with our main characters what a setup right so yeah So the real uh, main reason why I wanted to kind of transition this over to Twitch is to give us time to like chat and, you know, if you guys have any questions, you can ask questions. Um, I'm really going to try to stay spoiler free, like throughout the whole thing, like not give spoilers for like book two or three. And then once we get to the end of the book, we can kind of theory craft about the whole thing um, or about the whole book rather. But does anyone have a question? Anybody have, you know anything they want to say about way of kings um i know this is a shorter episode just because it was more of a history episode but i don't know if y'all want to chat about some stormlight we can chat for a minute i should have had music queued up to have in the background but you know that would have been smart Mm. incredibly gripping good job relaying that Thanks. I really tried. <laughs> I really tried. <laughs> but it doesn't seem like I really have anybody here but you. So I may just go ahead and call this episode a day. Way of Kings is way too good. It really is. I mean, I'm really psyched to really dig deep to dig into it you know um but like i was saying earlier i'm gonna try and find a way so like if you guys want to read along like ideally i want people to read along to the to the series right so like i'm gonna try to find a way to like post this link for um for the the schedule um even if i can't figure out how to post the link per se to this google to this google doc um you know, maybe, I don't know, man, I'll figure it out, I'll figure out a way to get the schedule out here for you guys, so you can at least know what we're gonna be talking about each week, um, but, like I was saying on my last podcast episode, I am gonna rip this audio, and I'll upload it, um, Like usual, like my regular usual podcast episodes. But then this video, I'll be able to um, post it on YouTube. So if you guys want to go back or if you missed a thing, you know, you'll be able to go back and use it as reference. But in the meantime, guys, you've got some reading to do. Next week, we're going to talk about the prologue in chapters one through five. And we'll get to meet Kaladin. We'll get to meet Shallan. uh, We'll get to meet my main man, Dalinar. And yeah oh no you missed it you did but like i said it's gonna be on youtube so you can go back and watch it again on youtube (laughs) but um yeah guys if um you have any questions or any suggestions you know you can shoot me um shoot me a tweet or shoot me a dm on instagram all my information is there on the screen And like always, my lovelies, I'll see you next week. Bye.